This episode of Lucas Tigers and Browns is brought to you by PWCC. Head over to pwccmarketplace.com and register. It only takes a few minutes, and it's 100% free. There you'll find weekly auctions with thousands of items, all starting at $10, closing every Sunday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. You have to be registered to bid. They have the most transparent buyer's premium feature in the industry and extended bidding like no other auction house. Give it a try. You might find something you love. So, Luca Nation, you you guys, uh, you guys and gals get kind of like a post Thanksgiving treat. You know, you had your turkey yesterday. You had some football. You had some fun. And today we have a, a very well respected guest, uh, someone that comes uh, almost referred to us. Said you guys have to have this gentleman on. He's been around some of the greats when it comes to baseball. He's been commissioned by Ted Williams to paint what's the greatest painting of all time. Uh, just talk to him. He's a collector. I think your audience would benefit a lot. So, James, I'm selfishly kind of excited to get to know you today, hear how you met Ted Williams at 17, got commissioned to paint um, for, for these guys. So without further ado, welcome to the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Show. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think I was mentioning like, you know, most I mean, most people who have seen me be interviewed, which has been a lot of, you know, a lot over the years. Um, but you know, I was saying for you guys, it goes back to really being a collector from a kid and being an athlete, but also being an artist. Um, I started very young. I mean, my, my family and, and even the tie, like between Joe Drellick and what he's done, Joe lives in the town next to me and Joe eventually owned the card store that was in the town next to me, the one that I would go to. And so early on, a family member of mine had probably one of the earliest hobby stores there was in in the mid 80s early 80s so i've always had this passion for collecting collecting cards being a kid who played every sport football baseball basketball you know eventually playing baseball in college and but but having the art side of it and um and really which i've told people the way it all started was you know i would go to small art shows and bring you know this is like 9 10 11 years old and i'd bring sports pieces and sell them uh, but it really came about when I was trying to get something unique signed. And this is around, I'm going to say 1992. And of course, being a Yankee fan and growing up in central New Jersey, I ended up doing this painting of Joe DiMaggio. I was only 14. I go to the card show. He signs. And actually people at the time were like, you know, even back then art was still something that if it was being autographed was a much bigger thing to have signed, which is a bigger thing today uh, as well. But, People are saying he's not going to sign it for you. Of course, I joke around being this Italian kid. I'm in line. He sees my name and he signed it. And people at that time were offering me pretty good money. And this, I'm 14 years old. So I said, wow, you know, this is really something incredible I have here, I feel like. And I remember the following year I was playing Legion baseball. I was 15 and previously had visited the Hall of Fame. And that's when my Reggie Jackson got in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, that was literally from writing to them and ironically i was just in cooperstown a few weeks ago and saw uh, a good friend of mine ted spencer who was a curator for the baseball hall of fame for like 30 years who, who took on <clears throat> at that age and we were laughing because i had my two boys with me my one son's 13 and he was like you were almost this age when you had your painting in the hall of fame and we're laughing going i, I just 
it is remarkable to think back to that. And it all goes into the hobby because I would go to all the shows. I was collecting all these cards. Um, I was having all these, you know, very well-known sports artists at that time who you've probably seen their stuff all over the place were, were sort of mentors to me. So it, it really started from an early age with the hobby and art sort of colliding. So let me ask you, your true talent, baseball or art, what are you better at? Uh, I was definitely art. Definitely art. Oh. I was a good. I was a good athlete. I was a. I was a first. Uh, first team All State shortstop. Okay. So I. I was. I was very good, and I played on some really good teams in high school. And I was. What's being, the uh, secret? I, what did your parents feed you when you were a kid? You're a child prodigy. <laughs> you're a baseball uh, uh, college athlete for baseball, and you're painting, uh, commissioned paintings for Reggie Jackson. What's the secret? What did they? What did they feed you as a kid? Wawa. You know, I'll tell you. I was very lucky to be. Wawa wasn't around, Cage. Secret is Wawa. Been around, definitely not around. in the eighties. Yes, it was around in the eighties, hundred percent. I remember going to one in the eighties. Is that your Atlantic answer, City. James? Is it Wawa? Uh, it definitely wasn't Wawa, but, but Wawa was definitely <laughs> yeah, around at that time, and definitely in probably every New Jersey town there there is and was. But I don't know. I think I've always been. Even now, I'm I'm very driven. I work very hard. I I I've been painting every day almost for thirty years. You know. I think I also grew up in the right area. We were just talking about, again, trying to link it back to the hobby. If you think about some of the major players in the hobby, a lot of these guys came off from around here, New Jersey, PA, New York. So I grew up in a good area of people who uh, collected, had the money collect, understood the art side of it. You know, teams were booming, obviously, when I was in college and a little before you got the Yankees going on their run. So you know, I was in a, a good area for shows and I would do a lot of the sports card shows when I was very young and show off my stuff. So I was, um, you know, a bit of a hustler when I was younger and and got in with the right people. So at a very young age, you know, I'm becoming friends with Yogi Berra. I'm having a painting in the Hall of Fame. The Ted Williams Museum saw my work at a show and ended up painting the 20 greatest hitters for Ted, which you know eventually evolved into all these things. And again, going back to collecting, you know, I was obsessed with cards. I mean, that was all I wanted, you know? And so my dream was to have my art on cards. My dream was to have a painting in the Hall of Fame. And I was doing this at a young age. So my first tops cards I painted were 99 for, for them, which looked like the 53 design, which which I had a link to. And then eventually Upper Deck and the Fiorentino Collection, all the paintings for them in 01. So, you know, I was always trying to accomplish all these goals at a very young age. And, you know, now obviously there are so many you know, people doing sports and sports art, which is nice. That's great. I, I love people. Um, it's becoming a bigger thing. It's becoming a um, part of that asset collection that people want. High-end art, high-end sports art, high-end stuff that's published, high-end stuff that's signed by players. So, but it all goes back to a very young age. A lot of stuff to unpack there. So I'm going to steal a minute. A couple things. You like to get the facts in there. At 15 years old, uh, the undersell there is, I don't know if it's still a record, but at the time in 1992, when your Reggie was put into the Hall of Fame, you were the youngest artist to be featured in the Baseball Hall of Fame ever. So I know it's just part of a story, but it's one of those things that needs to be sprinkled on top because it's pretty damn amazing. Um, that's awesome. Guys, go on eBay right now and type in Fiorentino Collection and Upper Deck, and you'll see the uh, Michael Jordans, the Babe Ruth. Like, I remember these from 2000, 2001 in that area, right? Um, there's yeah. a cool Gretzky with like the flowing hair and black and white. So like a pencil drawing, if memory serves, like a lot of good stuff. Um, and Andrew, the 100th Wawa opened in Marlton, New Jersey in 1972. Just in wow. case. <laughs> uh, we were throwing, like I said, the facts have to be thrown out there. But listen, so I, I, it, 
one of the things we try to do for our audience is, is try to like put it out there and we think about what would somebody listening to this, you know, be, be thinking to themselves while they're driving in their truck across country as they listen or they're, you know, in the gym or whatever it is. And you've done a lot of interviews um, and, you know, they kind of all head down a path. The first thing I'm thinking of is how the hell does this happen for a kid? And Andrew has taught me a whole bunch of lessons of like it's, it's you know, a little bit of what you know and it's a lot of who you know, right? So, I mean, give me kind of like more this. of who knows you. And and that's an important part, right? So, you know, were you just a card show junkie? Like, were you just hanging out at all the card shows? Were you just in the store every day? You know, how do we go from nine, ten years old, you know, going to card shows and picking up a, a you know, a charcoal or whatever it is that you use as your medium, right? And then expanding that to a couple years later. Yeah, I'm playing high school baseball. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing what, what teenagers do. I'm the pride of Somerset. But... Also, my shit's in the Hall of Fame. Like, how does that – it doesn't just snap of fingers and happens. Talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, again, like, yeah, I definitely was in card stores all the time. My mother's cousin owned a really big-time one. And, it, and again, like, I, I associated back to Joe, too, because everything he's accomplishing and, 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 like, remembering him and seeing him at these things. But I was just – I was really supported really well by my parents, and my mom did a lot of the stuff for me. And I think, honestly, it was as simple as, like, I would write letters, go places and go after the stuff I wanted. So, you know, at that time, if I wanted to be in Beckett, I collected Beckett or Sports Collectors Digest. I'd write to them or they eventually see me. And, you know, SCD would have me on their covers. I've been on tons of covers and articles and Beckett covers and painting on Beckett covers and stories. And I used to win all these Beckett art contests when I was like 17. So this is before social media, guys. This is before it was as easy as just clicking a direct message. This is you wrote a letter. And you said, hey, here's a, a copy of my art. Here's a sample of my art. You know, I'd, you know, I'd love to work with you guys. I'd love to you know, give you a sample. I'd love to work with blah, blah, blah and be on the cover of a Sports Classics Digest, SCD or Beckett or whatever it is. And just people reach out to you and say, hell yeah. I yeah. Mean, why the hell not? Yeah. And I think honestly, I think when I, when I became about, I'd say about 15, 16 in all honesty, and I, I'm very humble about who I am and what, I, what I've done, but I was, I was really good. I mean, my, my niche – medium what you see all my work in is watercolor and mm-hmm. you know i'm known nationally now for my watercolor even beyond sports but you know at that age when i was looking up to all these guys and you gotta remember like when i was doing the national sports convention 20 25 years ago and i would be at the scd shows and all this thing, there weren't many artists like i'd be one of the only ones that was setting up and, and doing this so i was starting to get players players agents all these people who gravitate towards me to do stuff and um, and then ironically, again, being at the right place at the right time, but I was even shocked, like for the Ted, like the Ted Williams thing was basically from probably the hall of fame stuff. And when I was at, I used to be at all those 500 home run shows just as a fan going way back. So when they saw myself and the guy was like, this is incredible work that you're doing. You're, you're working as on a professional level at 15. When I saw them, I was about 16. They said, would you paint, which I couldn't believe the 20 greatest hitters that Ted's going to choose. So like that then led into other things. So once I did that and I was getting local media, which was very important, again, I'm living in the biggest media capital of the world, you know, New York City. So like when you're in New Jersey, but New York media is picking you up and newspapers and Sports Illustrated and Sports Illustrated for kids, I'm still in high school. All of that then led to, which is a crazy story also, is me painting for Cal Ripken and being Cal's official artist when he broke the streak. I was still in high school. The way that that happened was... Cal's lawyer at the time, his roommate in college, that guy, his mom worked at my high school. 
basically how it happened. Saw my stuff, saw me on all these things and, and showed it. These guys, he played Princeton baseball. It was all like this crazy connection. When Cal saw my work and my story about a shortstop in high school, you know, painting all this stuff, Hall of Fame, they're like, we want James to be the official artist. When that all came about from that age, we were just talking 14, 15 to 17, every national TV show and medium had me on. So the great Dick Schapp interviews me for ABC World News. I'm on all the ESPNs. I'm on, you know, New York Times is doing a story. And while all this is kind of happening, you're building a business, you're building relationships, you're building people in the hobby. When I got the Tops project, I was in college. I wrote to Tops and said, my dream is to paint one day. And, and ironically, when I did the first 99 cards, which were in the 53 look, the connection to the 53 stuff is that the original one, the original artist for the 53 collection was a New Jersey guy. And his name was Jerry Dvorak. He painted the Mantle. He painted the Matthews, all these incredible cards. He became a mentor to me. And so it was all these just, you know, incredible connections. And then when Upper Deck saw my work in Tops, they must have saw me at a show. I kind of almost forget. But the one guy who worked for Upper Deck was in love with my work and said, we want you to paint for us. But it ended up being 70 paintings in that one year in 01, which they put my name on the card. And I, you know, that was incredible for me. And again, going back to collecting, like some of the ones you were mentioning, like there's autograph versions of my cards of Tiger Woods. That was his rookie card. Um, the Jordan cards of mine are signed, go for like 20, 25,000 now. But at that time, you know, we did an opening at the Basketball Hall of Fame with Dr. J. So it was just a combination of hustling, being at the right place, at the right time, being in a good area, being a collector myself. Um, and it just all sort of came together very young and just allowed me to build to where I'm at now. It's funny. You see the correlation, Andrew? I mean, we've had other artists on and obviously, you know, I'm not trying to compare, right? But, um, you know, Blake Jameson has done like the tops, you know, Project 20 stuff. Um, and uh, we asked him the similar question of, you know, okay, give us kind of like, Andrew likes to ask the origin stories. And if, you know, your comic book heroes and stuff like that usually get some good stories out there. But without getting down the whole road, he talked about basically, you know, working for full price or working for free and, you know, offering up a piece of art to somebody knowing that that person would not only like it and display it, but display it prominently where other people are walking by and, oh, there you go. All right. Who did that piece of art? Like, who did that one? Right. And all of a sudden, five athletes have noticed this, you know, painting that he's done for an athlete for free. And they're all commissioning. It's funny how it snowballs like that, right? So, um, you know, do you, James, did you ever say no to an athlete? Like, right in the in the beginning, Ooh. you look for business. When you get busy, you kind of have to turn business away, right? Yeah, I think um, it's a good question. I know Blake also, and I'm I'm one of those guys that's always been rooting for all the artists, and I've helped out so many artists, some of the bigger ones today over the years. A lot of people come to me for advice and ask me things, and uh, but you, you, now more I'll turn down things if some, it's funny. So there are things that are really important that obviously don't equate to money, and there are things that do equate to money. So I turn down things sometimes that are money related, and sometimes not. So. You know, back then there were players all the time that would ask me for for stuff. And, you know, I was probably more easygoing with that stuff. Now it's a little bit different, but I I don't really remember too much of that. I mean, I was honestly for and still today, I've been around hundreds and hundreds of players, hun Hall of Famers, worked with so many guys. There's been so many stories and, 
even in their homes and on the field and access that's unbelievable. So I've been really blessed and lucky with that. I think that's honestly the difference between me and most guys is that besides doing it for very long, like the personal access with these guys and maybe knowing the game because I played it a little bit, certainly not on that level, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's more now than ever turning maybe down certain collectors or certain people for stuff. It's a, it's, it's a good problem to have. I love taking care of everybody. I love meeting people. You know, I don't do as many shows anymore, but, um, but when I do, I'm, I'm one of those guys that wants to walk around and collect and buy stuff and see, see people. So, um, but most of my experience with players have been very good. So I love that. So you're wearing a hat, put on your collector hat here. What is one thing you loved about the hobby in the eighties and nineties that you wish would be back now? And what is something that you love about the hobby right now that you guys did maybe didn't have in the eighties and nineties? Yeah, that's a really great question because a lot of stuff, I mean, the truth of the matter is, listen, like I've always been successful and I've made a living doing this, which is also really rare. But the last two years, because the hobby has blown up, has also blown up for me. So there's obviously a correlation with my art and what I do and like, you know. Um, in terms of you getting more projects or in terms of your art reselling on the secondary market for numbers that you almost can't believe, like people are texting you like, James, have you seen what this is going for? Yeah. Can we- you paint me another one of these? Yeah, everything. Yep. I, I first started seeing it right around when the pandemic was happening and I was seeing people come in. I didn't know. And I was seeing my work on, on smaller pieces of my work go for a lot of money. And then, you know, my, my prices were increasing. Things were happening. And um, I mean, you could see it across the art world on top of it. So obviously for me, I'm a I'm a, a huge fan of sports and sports art, obviously. And I've always felt like it's going to catch up to where comics are an illustration are and some of the best stuff there is because to me um as much as i love collecting like say a game used thing or a high-end card i feel that way about a piece of art that's a one of one done by a credible artist that's autographed or not autographed so for me i love that the hobby right now like there are real serious people getting involved and i've i've always felt like again because i like to collect vintage cards and things like that that they're pieces of art and i've always been a history person antique type of guy so i've more truthfully i've been more into the vintage stuff my whole life than even the, the newer stuff when i was young i'd buy everything that was new obviously but now i'm more into the vintage stuff um so i think it's really cool to see people really feel like it is an event. There is an investment side of it and it is a beautiful thing to collect and it is a good thing. And, and maybe better people are getting involved in it. Um, I do think some of it's lost, but maybe that's with anybody where some of the stuff is so crazy price and gets so nutty from that perspective. Maybe you kind of alienate some kids, you know, my boys like to collect They're young, they're nine and 13, but some stuff's just priced so incredibly insane. Um, but I think overall, it's a good thing that it's become so popular and mainstream and it's become a, a bigger thing that people see as a good investment. Cause you know, we've always felt that. And I've always felt that same with art, same with cards, same with game use stuff, same with any of this stuff, you know, the, uh, the athletes have to be difficult. Um, you know, I see you, you do watercolor and my, my daughter is an artist, but not to your caliber, <laughs> but you know, she does art and, you know, we did some art classes and stuff like that, but yours is basically like photorealistic for watercolor, which is weird, right? It's a, a lot tighter. A lot of watercolor is much looser. You probably use a lot of dry brush, but what I would assume is that, um, what's the matter? 
Andrew. Am I wrong? Did I, I say love wrong? when you know stuff no, that I'm like, you probably wrong. use a, like a lot of dry brush. Yeah, but it's true, right? I, I mean, think, it probably does. But, but I'm virtually finger gunning. What I would imagine though is that the people is difficult. I mean, drawing animals, landscape, you name it. That's not the same as drawing Ted Williams' face. You know what I mean? People know what Ted Williams looks like. There's a lot less wiggle room. Mickey Mantle, you know what easy, I mean? Like, that guy had great skin. Great <laughs> skin. Easy. That's one color. Just. I mean, that's gotta. I mean, one. That's gotta be harder. But two. That's gotta take you a long time. Like, how long does a piece take? You know, on average, yeah. I know all of them are different. But Yogi Bear yeah, is probably I, toughest with all the wrinkles. That's true. Those faces are 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 sometimes. But you know what? The funny thing is, you're right about all that from a technical standpoint. Um. That's all true. So I paint where it looks like oil or acrylic. I'm painting watercolor in a completely different style, which is a lot of being self-taught. Again, going back to a young age at eight years old. I love to tell people when I was that age that people told me at these big shows, what you're saying, like when I was a kid, I'd still do landscapes and wildlife and all that stuff. And they said, don't do sports, don't paint sports, paint this stuff. And I remember telling my mom, no, 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 I, <laughs> I love doing this. I love painting Manon DiMaggio when I was 14, 15, 13. So um, it is true, like, if you can paint a person's face, no matter who it is, whether they're famous or not, you can really paint anything, whether it goes into landscape, partner and wildlife. I joke around. Nobody knows what a, a tiger looks like or a bear, if that looks like the tiger. But you know who DiMaggio is. You know who these current players are. So there is somewhat pressure. I do feel like my art is pretty close to being almost exact and accurate. And, and, and I always felt like I can get the soul of the person. Obviously, being a sports fan, it's still – it is still really cool for me to meet these guys, um, but I, are they sitting for you? Are you painting off of a photo? Or are you painting from photos? Memory? Yeah, so photos. Sometimes I take photos. I get things I manipulate, put together, change stuff up, things like that. Um, but you know, you you want to be accurate. And you want to know a little bit about them to, to paint them. I mean, to me, listen, I'm like this year. I presented like I don't know to Vlad Guerrero Jr. on the field at Yankee Stadium. I've done some, you know, some amazing things in person with some current guys, but. I always felt like painting historic people that I've had a chance to meet, which is crazy. Guys like Buzz Aldrin, Congressman John Lewis, Desmond Tutu. I've met some unbelievable people that, you know, you really want to make sure you're painting them right. Michael um, J. Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these guys. but uh, <laughs> George Bush. <laughs> Steve Forbes. Yeah. I mean, he's got a pretty good list. No, I mean, yeah. It's, it's cool it's, stuff. It really is. I appreciate it. And I, and I love it. And honestly, for me now, again, going back to the collecting side of it, like I'm bringing my boys into it. So like they get to meet these guys. Um, they get to be around uh, some amazing people and, 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 and playing sports now as kids. And, and they're like, I said, you guys are so lucky to be around some of these guys. But like I said, I, I don't take it for granted even today. James, um, you said you're never going to be as good as baseball as me, and you're never going to be as good as painter as me. Well, That's what you said to them. I could picture it now, right? Nine, Nine-year-old nine is in fourth grade. He's at the table, and he sits down in the lunchroom, and you know the school lunch goes out, and they finish up there. You know, they're sloppy joes, and the kid slides across yeah. the table. I got, a, I got a Charizard. And James's kid's like, yeah, but look at this. It's from 2001 Upper Deck. This is part of the Fiorentino collection. I'll trade you that for your Charizard. <laughs> like, think about that. Like, there are yeah, cars. my you my guys are, your own stuff. My guys are pretty humble. They are. Though it's funny because a couple of them, because like, I love doing non-stuff sports stuff sometimes too. Like, I'm a Star Wars geek, so like they'll I like my one son's got a couple really sick Star Wars originals signed by guys in his room, mm -hmm. and I'm like, damn. So I, I I'm like, you know, I don't want you to sell these. These are like too cool, but they're my guys are pretty humble. They don't really tell 
it's interesting. Any of their friends, a lot of this stuff, I'm even like when I'm coaching the guy, people don't know who I am, but they figure it out. Some people flip out in a good way. Some people, you know, could be a little weird about it, but you know, like recently I joke around, they got to meet a lot of pretty amazing guys and um, they were more excited to meet Mr. Beast. So let me put you this way. Like they could be around all the big athletes in the world. And Mr. Beast was their guy of the year. So, you know what I mean? It's like it's a big one. Did you paint Mr. Beast? I didn't paint him, but I did give him actually, cause I know he's a baseball guy, actually big baseball guy. And actually he was good enough. I was talking to his mom that he would have played in college and he was a right? high school player. Uh, but I gave him a Ted Williams, 20 greatest hitters G clay. Cause I knew he would appreciate like the history of it. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, Again, and I love helping out people. I again, I always tell you, like honestly, I I love when people say to me, um, James, I remember meeting you when you were, you know, fourteen years old at this show, or twelve years old, and you were selling pictures for this. And so, so, and, and I love meeting people who don't even know my story. So even a lot of younger guys who are new to this industry, because again, being in so many things over the years, you almost have to redo some of them again, reintroduce yourself, reintroduce your story. So let me ask the business, James. Okay, so. And this might have not affected you, and you could say it didn't, right? But what Mr. Beast has done well is he's captured new media, right? He he doesn't he doesn't use TV. He built his own TV on YouTube and he crushes it. You kind of lived of the generation of the Beckett Guide, newspapers, magazines, and now it's Instagram, social, digital. You you've kind of been able to see both sides. What have you thought of like this digital art revolution, right? Like you said you've painted something every day for almost like 20 years. Beeple has too. He turned that into like a digital NFT. Uh, thoughts about any of this? Have you been like, not for me? Are you dabbling? Are you dipping your toes in? It's an interesting question. So it's funny. Um, in all honesty from, and, and I'm old school and I, in all honesty, I'm also like, I'm very confident from what I do in business wise, but I'm very humble too. So like, again, if you met me, I probably wouldn't even tell you anything about me. I, I don't like social media. I'm going to be honest. Like I'm just one of those people, like I'm very... Uh, I don't like to brag. I don't like to, I'm sometimes uncomfortable with it, even though I've done a million interviews. So it's like, I don't like keeping up with stuff. And um, so it's a lot for me as an artist to paint professional all the time and then try to keep up with like, you know, you got to do this and Twitter and Instagram and, fit and show this. And now I have to think differently. I used to be around all these players and never thought about, should I be taking a picture with them? Cause I've been around them all the time, but now I have to think differently. You got to get video, you got to get pictures, you got to do this. The NFT stuff. And then you have to post it and show it. Like the first word that James said was, I don't want to brag. He thought of, he connected social media to bragging and showing off. Yeah, because you're always trying to keep up. And like, honestly. That's what the space is. Yeah. And and it's true. Like, I don't you make it. He doesn't have to fake it. He's been doing it since the 90s. (laughs) And I'm a little different in that. Although I'm still younger on the side, I've been doing it for so long because I started when I was younger. So honestly, a lot of my clients they do they're on social media but it's a different world like i don't what i'm dealing with is not doesn't need to be done that way as far as nfts are concerned that's a good question because in the last two years i've had major people and companies come to me to do nfts now of course you can use any of my paintings and make an nft and do all sorts of stuff i don't do anything digital i'm literally old school even when i was in college there wasn't even like we were the first college to have every kid would have a laptop so it's like you know there was no um I mean, there was digital stuff, but it was still like very early. And I just didn't feel like my, and actually I had a huge conversation with Blake about it because Blake's done very well in that. And he wanted, 
he thought I should really go into that space. And I've done a lot There's of games. There was a lot of money for respected so, artists in NFTs. The Knights of Degen. You could you could spin up a project like this, limited to a thousand half ETH or one ETH, and you you could uh, artists that are one fourth or one eighth of your reputation have netted one two million dollars from NFT projects pretty quickly. So yeah, it, and it's it's weird. So to be honest with you, I'm I'm the first person to say, listen, I'll take a million dollars in two seconds, right? But I didn't go into the space because I didn't feel comfortable with it. I didn't understand it a lot. I was researching a lot. We were talking to a lot of people. I just couldn't feel, I didn't feel like my clients would be understand or be into it. I didn't, and that, that's not to say I still wouldn't do it. It just would have to be the right fit because I've always been that sort of person. I've never been phony. I've been very honest with how I feel and how I feel with people. Um, like I said, I'm old school. It's all drawn out in pencil, my work. It's all painted. You know, I went to art school, you know, did a lot of stuff at home, did a lot of non-sports stuff too. Very, a lot of modern paintings, a lot of different stuff. So the digital world is very different for me, although my work can be used in that format. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, um, especially guys who understand it and want to do that stuff. I think for me, it had to be tied to something physical. I'm a physical person. So like you're talking digital stuff. I'm still a newspaper magazine guy. I need to see stuff. That's why I love being at shows. I'm, I love seeing all the stuff in front of me. Um, and so that's why well, let me tell you james how we did our nft and i feel like you're gonna have some pretty good ideas as well so uh cage's daughter you mentioned she's an artist she used a dry brush she dry brushed no, no dry she, brush. she drew uh, a tiger so our mascot is a tiger so she drew a tiger and we cool. we created random traits and each random trait like a tiger holding a fire in his hand is associated with one thing like ian opening a box of cards for you right. Uh, but one of the cigar utilities that we did comes have a cigar night with us. Go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. I know he can. He can. <laughs> so one of the things we did was at National, in partnership with Collectible, is we had an outdoor space that anyone who owned one of those digital art pieces could then also have physical utility by coming to the event, meeting Lawrence Taylor, meeting Tim Hardaway, meeting Chris Mullen. Cage had like a little goodie box for them with like two cigars in there, a random card. So it was a way to bridge digital and physical. Right? I love that. See that I love. That's where I would see it, right? Because I feel like somebody's getting in this awesome experience and something they can physically bring back with the digital thing as well. So that that's a great idea. And that's that would be my approach too. And that's how I would do it. That's a great idea. I love that. Once Tops is done with this whole buyback program, good job that they're doing that. Maybe we're going to get our tiger on one of the cards that's yeah. the next step oh yeah what we're building this community one at a time listen you're uh james you're adding credibility for yourself within the hobby if you're, if you're you know skeptical about nfts so the hobbyists are gonna <laughs> love you even more because it's I, I i compare the digital world and the physical world it's like the montagues and the capulets you know there are a couple people that like both sides but they're few and far between and they're usually going to be collateral damage um it's it's never two shall cross you know i mean if you're either a physical collector or you're a digital and you know, the hobby has been a tough nut to crack for, you know, moving them into the, the digital space. Um, you know, maybe it's just not the right time. I don't, I yeah, don't know. And, it, and you're right. Like, and I'm also like, in all honesty, I'm, I'm older and that's a lot of, like, it's a younger generation. Like, again, you compare it to all the Fortnite stuff and the kids having skins and all these things. And I get, I get that whole side of it. I understand it. And I think it just has to really relate to something that you can get behind. But I've, I'm always going to be a physical person. And um, but things have to move forward and everything. So I, I understand, you know, so I got to ask some Andrew. project. 
Sure, sure, sure. But I, I'd love to hear some projects James is working on that our community could check out, support, follow. Okay. Shoot, please. Yeah, I, no, I appreciate it. So, I mean, the beautiful thing for me is I'm always painting. So I'm always doing a lot of commission work. People ask me all the time. So I get a lot of private clients who collect my work personally. That's been happening forever and that continues. Um, I'll do a lot of work related to with players and doing stuff for them personally. Um, companies, um, obviously, uh, I love working with the card companies when that comes up occasionally. Um, the shows I do are really mainly now. I did the national this past summer in Atlantic City, obviously being in my my home state. Um, I do a lot with with East Coast Sports Marketing and Joe, and we're working on that incredible project. There's only one, which has been amazing. Um, I am going to do the Philly show uh, next year. I'm a huge fan of the Philly show, been, in a, uh, been a fan for many, many years. And so next, uh, this coming March, I'm going to debut Fiorentino Elite there. I'm going to have some of theirs only one, some other things. And that's where I love meeting people and signing cards and signing the PSA covers I've done and Beckett covers. Um, I love being approachable with, with those kind of things. And we're going to do a really cool art opening there. So it's a little bit of a mix of, you know, literally coming to like a gallery style thing. Um, certainly my website has a lot of cool stuff on there. You could see my story and all my different interviews and things I've done. Like I said, it's been so much over the years and so many amazing personal things around these guys. Um, and I love talking about that. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I do love. I love to share, you know. Um, got to see some of the artwork, Andrew, I'm going to send you over a link to it. Now I got to see some of the artwork while we were in, um, you know, while we were at, um, at the national, the national. And I mean, it was amazing stuff. Uh, the mantles are amazing. I, I happen to like the 53 tops. I know the 52 is iconic, but the 53 was art. Um, and that holds a little special fun thing to me just from a, you know, a nostalgia and generational thing. Not that I was alive in 53. I am older than you but not by much. But in 1993, Topps came out with an archive set. And uh, it was basically a reprint of 53. And I remember going to card shows with my dad and opening packs of archives. And he was like, wow, this is just like when I was, you know, collecting these. Look at all the Brooklyn Dodgers and look at this one and look at this, you know, and Campanella. And, you know, so, you know, it's got like an art thing. It has like an additional kind of nostalgia there. I mean, you know, it was a waste of money. None of that stuff's worth anything. <laughs> but, but it was cool, you know, opening them at, at the time. I should have been buying, you know, 93 finest refractors instead of Michael Jordan. But it is what it is. So, I mean, the – um those there's only one with collectible that's that's they're really nice pieces so people get to see those at, at upcoming shows get to see those in philly take a look you know online look those up just just type james's name james fiorentino and there is only one just type fiorentino and collectible because it's a collaboration also with collectible um and it's 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 really cool stuff so i do want you to talk about one thing and then i have a question for you so one of the cool things about having a name and being able to paint and being able to you know kind of carry the favor that you do is you get to do some really good work as well and i've seen some of the paintings you did uh with nature and you were able to do like some wildlife conservation work because of it right yeah I mean, cool. I, I mean with everything honestly and I, I probably shouldn't say this stuff because then i'll get asked but i i donate all the time to so many organizations with my sports stuff my sports art has probably raised literally hundreds of thousands of dollars and um and with with players and organizations and i've been on the board of some really incredible you know things and and one of which is for example, donating is the um, Ed Lucas uh, Foundation and their golf tournament, Celebrity Golf Tournament. David Cohn has now um, been the ambassador for the golf outing. But 
going back to collecting and stuff, this goes back to Phil Rizzuto when I was a part of it, uh, Gene Michael to David Cohn. So like just being a part of all those organizations and help raise money. And obviously like the wildlife, which um, I'm a huge fan of and being on the board of some great wildlife organizations and donating my art and raising money. And, and that's quite important to me. And I'll tell you a lot of athletes and players are really obviously into nature and wildlife and being outside and, I've had wonderful experience with players like that. And one of which is a good friend of mine, Tony LaRussa, who I've, I've brought in to do stuff with Hawks and things that I'm involved with. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it crosses over, you know, with a lot of that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's just, it's just another wonderful thing to be able to do, whether it's to donate the artwork, donate your time, speak, encourage people like your daughter. I love people who paint. And I always tell people from, I, from, young kids to to adults it's a wonderful thing to be able to do and be blessed with and to help and share and, and share to people and, and and create all that wonderful stuff so it's you know i, I that is a big part of it do you mentor any uh, other folks out there i mean the most comparable it's oil so it's cheating to compare it to the water but like greg kreinler's stuff is really nice you know you see his artwork it's just amazing and I, i've been following him on twitter since before he blew up he blew up a really big recently yeah, um, I, I used to be that. able to afford some of his work. Now I can't. <laughs> yeah, I love his work. He's one of the guys that I really, really um, appreciate. And again, I think honestly, guys like him and I are guys who are real painters who happen to paint sports. That's really the truth. There's been a lot of guys over the years and, and there's been some incredible artists coming into the space. And ironically, there's always a connection. His art, his teacher uh, is in my in a gallery that I show in. So I have to meet him one day because, again, I've met a lot of these guys. But I get a lot of emails and phone calls from artists. Um and I do mentor them and uh, I don't, I don't give out lessons, but I've done, you know, I've done occasionally like uh, watercolor um, demos and, you know, different things like that. But I'm always there to help from truthfully, the biggest side of it that we were talking is the business idea. Yeah, that's Joe and I at MLB network. Uh, we did, I did that interview last summer. There's a mantle. I mean, you got the trout, you got the 51 Bowman maze, and you could tell. I mean, that's that's MLB networks, right? You see the I've seen them film from there. You could you, you could see the backdrop. It's pretty cool, man. Look where it gets How long it. does it take you to paint that? That maze right there. Uh the 51 maze. Yeah, and they're all different. 24 hours. Can you do it? 24 hours. 20 No, they're a little longer than that. They're a little longer. <laughs> well, two How weeks. much mountain do you giving them? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's I. It depends on how many hours I do in a day, but they they take days and days and days, and and again, depends on how much detail goes into the, the lettering part and the everything. You know, some are, some are actually the ones that seem to be the easiest and the most simple are the hardest almost to me. Um, but I I love and the cool thing about those, and I feel like with any of my art, but especially that project, is that I'll never paint them again. That's it. If anybody ever wants me to paint you know, the, the 51 Bowman maze, that's the only one I'll ever be. So as that goes you hear on, that, Panini, that's how a one of one works. <laughs> you know, they listen. Sorry. So, I couldn't help right. it. <laughs> so yeah, I got a question cool. for you, right? So, I mean, you've gotten, your art has taken you all over the place. I'll rest on this. And then, you know, Andrew, if you have anything to follow, you can, but it's, um, you know, you've gotten to speak to everybody from Ted Williams to Buzz Aldrin, you know, Desmond Tutu to, you know, anybody. I mean, just crazy stuff, right? Michael J. Fox, you have to paint them all. You finished the Any episode. Any of these guys born in the last, like, three decades? Anyone modern? Well, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Oh, yeah. yeah he said no, he presented him on the field with the star. I mean, you know, it's just really the names. But so you finished the episode with us. Don't mind Andrew. 
you, you finish the episode with us and you know you, you you log off the computer and a phone rings and it is an offer from someone to paint them or to do our project of theirs with them that is the one you can't say no to the one the, the big fish the white whale you know the hemingway it took you forever the career one what is the one call that you Rose would get from the you... titanic you know this answer oh what who is it who who is it somebody you want to work with that way andrew can start doing biz dev and start calling him every single day for you that sounds you. good yeah so, <laughs> i would say i've painted the guy a lot i just never met him in person is behind me a little bit there's jordan so I think if I was doing a direct project with Jordan Upper Deck and getting a chance to meet him, he's, he's signed maybe, I don't know, three, four of my originals over the years. But I think working directly with like a Jordan would be pretty amazing. Um, again, they're, for with you guys, it's like I could tell so many stories with, with Ali and, and an unbelievable story with Tiger Woods and stuff. But I think Jordan would probably be the biggest. Um, but going back uh, to talking about the current players, it is exciting, you know, again – I'll always have the the old vintage Hall of Fame guys and legends you can never get back, but it is exciting. I mean, now I feel like an old man because I'm at these games with these guys and these these guys are young, so it's like seeing them and 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 I appreciate how incredible they are, um, and that's still exciting to me to do work honestly, you know, for these current guys who, who are playing today. So, who's one baseball player that inspired you growing up, and who's one artist that inspired you growing up? Um, my all time guy growing up is Mattingly. That was my dude because, you know, in the mid 80s, I just asked um, him what he's going to do when baseball goes under. Shit. That's not a good look. <laughs> he answered. Give him credit. He he did. Answered. Yeah. He, and he's been a great manager. So like, he's been, you know, and he's such a good person. So like, to me, it'll always be Mattingly's my guy. And so honestly, to think of him as like this, big time godly baseball player as a kid and just seeing him on this field, this, this, you know, like religious experience of going to see him for the first time, seeing him in person in like 85, whenever I was first there to now knowing him and painting, you know, his lot of art and his official artwork on the cover of all this kind of stuff. And, you know, like that kind of stuff to me is, you know, probably why, I, and, and, and going back to, again, I was always obsessed with guys I never saw. So like the Maggio I was painting and Mantle and my mother's favorite player was Mickey Mantle. So like I'm a kid going, you know, who's this guy and having a chance to be around Mantle a bunch of times. So those guys definitely influenced me to be excited about the hobby. If I had a lot of money when I was a kid, I would have bought all those Mantle cards. I have some, uh, but you know, I was, I was really into all that stuff. So really that's what, you know, got me going. And as far as art's concerned and artists, you know, other than like, so outside of sports, it's always been Andrew Wyatt. It's been Norman Rockwell. You know, I had an opportunity to be around Leroy Neiman a bunch Leroy of times. Yeah. So, you know, even though Andrew, you know, Neiman like, stuff, right? I mean, you would know it if you saw it. You just probably don't know. It's that it's the splash of watercolors. You know, you probably see a lot of Ali stuff. It's kind of like, just like a scatter shot and, you know, like of bodies kind of, you know, boxing and stuff like that, like really famous stuff, but a very different style of art than, than, than what James does. Yeah, he was like, I mean, he listen, everybody owes it to him. I mean, he was literally a celebrity painter in sports. I mean, he was doing work for Playboy, which first got him going, but then all the being at all the boxing matches, at all the stuff, doing all the stuff in the 50s. And now his work, we're talking hundreds of thousands. And it's going to be, I think, in the millions eventually. It's all going to catch up because you're talking guys documenting sports through art 
at a period of time where not a lot of guys were doing it. And you're starting to see that in auctions and all these things starting to raise up. Um, but Neiman was an influence, even though we paint completely different, but following and what he was doing, which was also nature and other things and pop celebrity type of stuff. Um, I loved Dick Perez because again, collecting all the Don Russ cards. Yeah, Perez uh, Steel, right? Yeah, and Perez Steel and all the Hall of Fame stuff. And um and and so it's it was a lot of those guys from like the 80s that's the playboy one right there did i find it yeah see all the different colors i mean just the one next to it's a better representation he has a lot of ali he was he did stuff like so many prints illustrated covers sinatra yeah see the the splash of color i mean like it's really nice just a difference he was the color he created color blast panini royalties (laughs) royalties yeah, but I'm you're right, you what, though. There's always been kind of like a combination of that stuff. I mean, Perez with the Diamond Kings. Like, Diamond Kings are still around. Like, that's still a set. You know, that's still an art kind of thing. And, you know, now you have, like, um, Court Kings, right? You have the, you know, the art parallels, the art cards that are in there. You know, there's yeah, always been I mean, sort of like the art stuff in the cards, right? That's super cool. Actually, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Like, tr- truthfully, like, that to me is a super cool thing that guys can get now, you know, these original art cards. The, the, the first time I'd ever done that, the only time, which was a real pain in the ass painting them that small because I had never painted that small on directly on a card. Mm-hmm. I did the Topps Transcendent cards in 2021. So I did 50 Baseball Hall of Famers for that set. So that was the first time I'm literally working on on that size card. But that was a lot of fun and completely different. And again, going back to me as a collector, I thought that was really cool because that's to me one of Topps' coolest products that they have. They only do, I think, 50 uh, sets of those. Um, yeah. But, you know. The transcendent Andrew is like it comes in like a case and you got like a VIP party. You go like meet like Shohei Otani or Mike Trout, you know, in every box. That was the one that I bought for wrestling and it came with like a WrestleMania ticket in it, you know. And you go to the event, <laughs> it comes in the case, you know, like that's fun stuff. Um, yeah, man, so take, take, a tri- take a trip down memory lane. So, oh, back to Wawa, you're a kid. <laughs> you know, you're you're up to bat strikeout, you know, up to bat strikeout, two errors in this game. You're pissed off. Capture that emotion. <laughs> what is one thing that's in the hobby today as a collector that really pisses you off that you would love to see change? You know, a future show, you would like these shows run differently or less printed. Whatever your yours is, what is that for you, James? All right. So that's a good question. I mean, without uh, being too controversial here or whatever, and I'll be biased too. I'll, I'll be honest. Like the only reason why I even came back to shows was Joe Drellick. And that's the truth. Um, and like I said, I've been around everyone for 25 years. Dealers, um, agents, the players, everything. And maybe because I was burnt out from doing a lot of that stuff and traveling, doing all those nationals. And I started to see my work go to a different level, which was more in galleries and hiring guys, buying stuff. Again, I want to meet everyone. But I feel like Joe brings like that's the kind of show I'm into where there's a lot of class involved, people being treated right. Um, you know, spe- you know, you're got people are coming in and spending a lot of money to meet players, to get autographs from that side of it. You know, I want players to be gracious about it or don't do it. I always say do a private signing then, you know, don't meet people. People are coming out there for an experience. I love all the things that joe's doing with shows with kids and the hobby and and just making it very special and making it good so so that is why honestly i've done the philly show two or three times in in the last four years and excited to do it in march and that's why i also did the national um this summer so i think 
being good to the people who are supporting you and making these shows successful is very important to me. Um, and I think they do a great job of it. So um, I've, I've never liked when, and I've, I've seen it and I still see it where just people are being treated horribly. Um, and again, spending a lot of money, there's no autographs now that are cheap. There's, you're not going to these shows and not spending a lot of money. Now, this is different from the dealer side of the guys going around and getting cards and things like that. Um, but I think from that perspective, I love seeing everyone being involved, everyone being treated well. Um, that's nice. And Joe incorporates a lot of talk about charity into the charity side of it and things like that. So I have now over the years have tried to surround myself with very important people. That's another thing. It's a, it's a, it's a simple thing, right? But controlling it, controlling my business, controlling my art, being around the right people. I don't need to do something if I don't think it's going to be worth it, like maybe an NFT or a certain company that wants to work with me or, you know, different, different people. So that's important. There's like in any business that you do, there are really good people and not really good people. Right. So you, you try to find the right people and try to do the right thing. Um, so, you know, that's, what's important to me. Again, I love, seeing all of this do well i'm biased too because my art plays a big role in it and is is benefiting off these things and i've always felt that it's all been connected right i've always felt like a willie mays game used jersey is a, like an like an artifact a, 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 like a historic incredible piece of art just like a mona lisa's on the wall if i see something like that i think of where was he in that what did he do he had a home like it's amazing to me and i think all of these things are now starting to come together at the right time. So I don't know. I've always felt that way. And uh, I'm appreciative that people feel that way about my artwork now with that. Yeah. Just to echo, I mean, Cage and I, we did a show after we went to Chantilly and then we went to a different, another show the weekend after, and it was one of our most listened to episodes. And it was just comparing the audience and the way that the Chantilly show was run uh, to the show the next weekend. And both were good shows, but it echoes a lot of what you said about Joe and, one, the biggest thing is even at these local shows, how he takes care of the legacy dealers. I remember one of the guys was Mike Stoner, which I thought had a hoot. I thought that was one of the like a funny name, obviously. Of course, it's Andrew's favorite but, dealer. <laughs> but he has like uh, signed photos of Pele and Mantle. And I talked to him for like, and he's like, I've been sitting up at this show forever, you know? And just the way Joe shows care for every one of his dealers, uh, it was felt because now the dealers pay that forward to their customers. The customers have a good time. They come home, they tell their friends. And now you have this really, this word of mouth ecosystem that, uh, that's what the hobby thrives on. Cage, any final questions before we wrap? James, I appreciate you joining. I wish you and your family I mean, is a there happy a, Thanksgiving. a website where you direct, you know, people who want to see some more of your artwork, maybe you know, learn some more about you that you have? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, if you just, I mean, jamesferentino.com, like you said, if you type in James Ferentino, then you could find from there all my social media uh, places to go and Instagram and Facebook. We're constantly posting events, new things, old things, reminding people stuff that I've done, like everything. And people reach out to me all the time. I try to get back to everyone. Um, we do some cool giveaways sometimes. Like we did a cool giveaway where we we're doing the, uh, the first PSA cover, uh, uh, the Jordan I did last year, we were giving away that, you know, so I love, I love doing things like that. Sometimes we'll do, auctions to raise money for charities on there um but yeah just seeing everything i'm doing all the events i'm going to be at and uh yeah i appreciate that 
Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.